John chapter 20, we have come as far as verse 10. Early in the morning, the women came to the tomb. They saw the stone rolled away. Mary Magdalene runs to get Peter and John. The other ladies stay at the tomb, and evidently an angel speaks to them. Um, they then leave. We don't know if they meet Peter and John on the way to the tomb. The angel told them, go speak to the other disciples, including Peter. Uh, Peter and John get to the tomb. No angels, no body. Jesus is not there. And it says, then they run to their home. And Mary Magdalene, who had been uh, the first one, it seems, to the tomb, and then had run to get them she then returns to the tomb in verse 11. She's there. Now, Mary Magdalene, um, it tells us in Mark chapter 15, verse 9, it says, Now when Jesus was risen early, the first day of the week, Sunday, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven devils. So as we come to this encounter with Mary Magdalene, this is the first appearance of our Savior risen from the dead. The first conversation, the first interaction is with Mary Magdalene. So interesting on this morning. So it tells us in John chapter 20, it says, But Mary stood without at the sepulcher, weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher, and seeth two angels in white, sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. And they say unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? And she saith unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord. And I know not where they have laid him. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus. And Jesus said unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? And she, supposing him to be the gardener, overalls, timberlands, flannel shirt, she, supposing him to be the gardener, said unto him, Sir, if thou have borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus saith unto her, Mary. And she turned herself and saith unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. And Jesus said unto her, Touch me not. For I am not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my father and your father, unto my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene came 
and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. And of course, Mark 16, verse 11 tells us, and the apostles believed her not. So (laughs) the frustration of every evangelist, you come with great news, you know, Christ has touched your life and your heart, and uh, you come even to those who you think will be glad to hear, and they don't believe. So if you live in that frustrating evangelistic world, take heart. Um, interesting picture here now as we, as we come to this. This is his first peering after his, uh, his crucifixion, now the resurrection. His next appearing, by the way, and we're about to see that. That's when he descends with a shout, the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. We're ready for the next appearing, which is going to happen shortly, I have no doubt. And here he appears on resurrection morning. And it says here in verse 11 that Mary stood without at the sepulcher weeping. Now it's convulsing. She's weeping out loud. She's weeping loud enough that, that it's, it's audible. She's breaking down in this weeping And she stoops down to look inside the sepulcher, and she sees two angels in white. The idea is in brilliant white, sitting, one at the head, one at the feet of where Jesus had lain. Only time in the Bible you have angels sitting, by the way. Mary Magdalene. Um, We are told in Luke's Gospel In chapter 8, and it came to pass afterward that he went through every city and village preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, and certain women whom he had healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, out of whom went seven devils, demons, and Joanna, the wife of Susa. Herod Stewart and Susanna and many others which ministered unto him out of their substance. So Mary of Magdala, Magdalene, when you go to Israel, it's, it's west of Capernaum. It's on the Sea of Galilee at the foot of the Arbel beautiful little town there, little village. And uh, this gal had been there. Now we're assuming that her parents, I'm assuming her parents uh, are of means, that they have some wealth because it says after Jesus delivers her, she's one of the women that follow him and minister to Jesus and the disciples out of her substance. So you have to imagine, you know, around the Sea of Galilee, people were being delivered of demons. All the encounters, the demons are screaming and, you know, they're shrieking. Uh, When he gets over to the Gadarenes, you have the demoniac there um, who is breaking chains and he's naked. He's gouging himself with stones. People are afraid to pass by the area. And in Gadara, there is the crazy woman of the town. She no doubt is 
notorious in Gadara where she lived. And uh, her parents, no doubt, heartbroken. They're of some means. And did she go through the town screaming? Did she go through the town tearing her clothes off? Did she go through the town? No, there was obviously demonstration of it. And as you know, she's, she's suppressed. We don't know how she got demon possessed. We don't know how it happens in an individual life, but someone who doesn't know Christ, who dabbles in the wrong thing, certainly in any of the occult, can find that they have company. And this girl had, it says, seven demons inside of her. No doubt they were crushing her. No doubt they were suffocating her. Could she ever come to the surface and speak with her own voice? Or was it always that, you know, from them? She's held down. Does she see the light of her own eyeballs? You know, there are other forces in control of her hands and her feet and her voice and her spit and, you know, the things she's saying. And people run from her. People stay away from her. And one day she turns, like she turned here at the sepulcher. She turns and she sees a face through the tunnel, through the darkness, past the demons, a face. The carpenter from Nazareth stood face to face with her. And he cast out the demons. Mark says he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven demons. It's in the perfect tense. It means that he cast them out and they were still out. You know, he, 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 he did that. She didn't know that, but she knew she was delivered at that point in time. She was set free. She's standing there. Did she cover herself? Was she humiliated? She was filled with wonder. We know that. Did she go home and fall into her mom and dad's arms? Did they weep together, embracing? Did she say, I have to follow him. I can't stay here. I have to give back to him. Did they allot her a certain amount of their wealth to support him, to go with him? Imagine how they rejoiced when all of a sudden their daughter is in her right mind, the one who was famous in their village. They had lived in humiliation, the crazy woman of the town. Mary Magdalene, among the women, she is always named first. She's of notoriety spiritually. When you read all of the other women, you know, Susanna, Mary, the mother of James, um, the, the other women that are mentioned, uh, Joanna, she's always named first Mary Magdalene. And she's a woman that couldn't forget what he had done for her. She couldn't forget it. Um, when any of us might lose a loved one you know there are certain characteristics of that person you know that that seem to stand out that were mingled among many characteristics while they were alive life was busy and you're interacting with them but when you let go of that person at the funeral, 
at the cemetery, you go home, and that person passes through your mind. There are certain characteristics that stand out, no doubt. And Mary, no doubt, what were her thoughts? You know, this is, you know, now life without him. It's, it's meaningless to her. Is she fearful? Is she worried that the demons will come back now that he's gone? He was her security. He was her life. He was her heartbeat. He was her breath. You know, Isaiah says, For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. And Mary's heart contradicted all of that. She saw a beauty in this carpenter from Nazareth. She saw that which was desirable. Her heart was set upon him. Mary Magdalene was not interested in the kingdom of God like the disciples. She wasn't interested in position. She wasn't interested in, you know, can I sit on your right hand? Can I sit on your left hand? She wasn't interested in overthrowing the Roman government. All she was interested in was Jesus. She loved him. Paul says, now faith, hope, and love, these three abide. But the greatest of these is love. Am I ever going to see him again? She's wondering. It tells us that she had been there at the cross at a distance. She had watched. She remembers the whole process from Gethsemane, hearing that he's in the house of Caiaphas. He's being beaten and mocked to the Sanhedrin. You know, then to publicly to be discouraging and being presented before the crowds, bloody and beaten and spit upon, the crown of thorns. Is she among the women when Jesus is going to Golgotha? He says, you daughters of Jerusalem, weep not for me. I'm sure she was one of those there that was weeping. She had seen Simon the Cyrenian have to pick up the cross because of Christ's weakness. She had watched the process. She had sat at, the at a distance from the cross. She had heard some of the things that he said. She certainly heard the things that he cried out loud. The darkness overcame the world. She sat there, and out of that darkness, she, she heard, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. She heard him screaming, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And the, the light had come back again, and, and she then had seen him there. And then, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. Saw him bow his head and give up the ghost, and he was gone. The earthquake, the ground shook, and she sat there. And somehow her, at least and Mary, the mother of James, named specifically, followed Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus and watched where he was entombed. They said they watched the stone roll to the door of the sepulcher. And going home on Sabbath, she sat there. 
and think of the things that she thought of. Think of her memories. Think of the characteristics. Think of the things that went over and over in her mind. And she could not forget what Jesus had done for her. She had been taken from bondage to life. You know, it's interesting because some people who can never forget are trouble for the body of Jesus Christ. Some people can never forget the imperfections in the Christians that are around them. They can never forget someone else hurt them. They can never forget someone else resisted their will and disagreed with them. And the problem in the lives of those people is Jesus and the memory of him has dwindled to the point where these other things have become larger and they have left their first love. Jesus would say, he prescribes the answer for that. Remember, from where thou art fallen, repent and do the first works again. Remember what it was like when I first cast out your demons. Remember what it was like when you first came to me out of drugs, immorality, emptiness. And I washed you. And I set you free. And you didn't know the difference between an epistle and an apostle. You didn't know how to find Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But you told everybody about me. You loved me. And then somehow, as time goes by, familiarity breeds contempt. We become comfortable with church. We relegate major portions of our Christianity to sitting in a building on Sunday, singing songs. Oh, not this song again. Come on. Don't go over there. They don't hug you. Don't sit there. They don't use the odor. Whatever it might be, you know. I mean, it just gets to the point where people become bigger. And we can never forget someone who wrongs us. And it becomes trouble for the body of Christ. Because the Christian, the believer that's still so valuable, is the one that can never forget Jesus. And can never forget the bondage they were in. They were the town crazy man or the crazy woman. They were so lost. And they can't look at anybody else, you know, and be unforgiving. Anybody else say, look, they realize I have to forgive them when I think what he's done for me. How can I not forgive anybody else? He said to forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And Mary Magdalene was that woman that could never forget what God had done. Taking her from bondage to redemption. And it tells us there that she's at the tomb. She's weeping. And she sees two angels 
in this brilliant white when she stoops down and looks in and they're sitting one at the head and the other at the feet of where the body of Jesus, past tense, had lain. She looks in and she sees them. And then they talk to her. They say to her, woman, now why weepest thou? Why are you weeping? Seems like a question only an angel could ask. A little bit spockish. You know, woman, why weepest thou? And then she is saying to them, saith, she's dialoguing, saying to them, because they have taken away my Lord, his body, his corpse. I had hoped with spices to pay homage again. I had hoped to show him my love one more time. He's, he's gone. They've taken away my Lord. And I don't know where they have laid him. What an interesting life. From demons to angels, these two angels, she dialogues with them. They're in brilliant white. They don't mean anything because she loves Jesus more than that spiritual experience. Luke says there are two men. We don't know if these are the same two that appear in Acts chapter 1 at the ascension of Jesus. That There's two angels in, in white here. Luke says two men in brilliant clothing. Uh, and they're sitting there. And it says in verse 14, when she had thus said, she turned herself back. She turns from them. Her heart is broken, still weeping because Jesus will ask her. And she saw Jesus standing there. It's a perfect tense. He had come and he had already stood there. And when she turned, he was already standing there. Listen, he's going to reveal himself to Mary Magdalene. He could have gone straight to Caesar. He could have had the whole Senate in Rome on their face. Could have gone to the Antonio Fortress, to Pilate and his wife and said to Pilate, you should have listened to her. Could have gone to the Praetorium, to the soldiers that beat him and spit in his face, scourged him, crucified him. Could have gone to Annas and Caiaphas, the high priest, or to the whole Sanhedrin for that matter. Could have gone to Peter first, or John. He goes to one broken-hearted woman. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Psalm 56 tells us that when we weep, he saves all of our tears, that they're all recorded. Every tear you ever shed when no one was watching and you felt completely alone, that tear was recorded in heaven and stored away. And he chooses first to go to this broken heart. You know, whom he forgives the most, loves him the most. She wasn't interested in his kingdom, in position. It was just him, and he knew that. And she's dialoguing with the angels, and he steps into the picture, and he's standing there when she turns. He's already standing there, 
and it says that she turned and she saw Jesus and knew not that it was Jesus. Now, the two guys on the road to Emmaus, it says that he held their eyes. They didn't see them. It tells us in a place he came and appeared in a different form. Uh, in the next chapter at the Sea of Galilee, as they go back to fishing, you know, he's there on the shore. It says they don't recognize him. They don't know who he is. People, you know, people try to say, well, her eyes were blurry from weeping. No, no, no. Jesus can get past tears if he wants to. He appears to her in such a way now that she does not recognize him. She knew not that it was Jesus. First words after the resurrection. First words. Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? The first words after the resurrection. The plan of the ages has been fulfilled. Woman, why weepest thou? Is that amazing? That's the first thing God Almighty says on the other side of the resurrection. It's just, he sees the whole earth. He sees Rome. He sees the royalty. He sees Caesar. He sees people in power. He sees his own disciples. He goes to a broken heart. Sometimes we feel when our heart is broken, he doesn't see us. He doesn't care about us. We seem like insignificant in our own eyes in the middle of whatever our difficulty and brokenness is. That's the one he sees. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He goes to this one broken heart. And we tend to think, he's not going to anything to do with me. I had seven demons. I was a lunatic, you know, in my community. I was immoral. I was on drugs. I was doing this or doing that. I have no right to expect anything. That's the very person that he goes to, that broken heart. Woman. He knows who she is. She doesn't know who he is. Woman. He wants her to think about something. Same thing the angel said. Why weepest thou? And then he adds, which they didn't add, who are you seeking? He knows. Who are you seeking? And then she supposing him to be the gardener, well, this was in a garden, we're told the tomb was in a garden, says to him, sir, imagine Jesus listening to this, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I, the emphasis there is, and I, as for myself, I will take him away. Come on, Mayor. You really think you're going to carry him away? And Jesus, no doubt, overwhelms. He says to her, and, the, and, and John uses the language, it is softly. He doesn't raise his voice. Softly, he says to her, Mary. It's Miriam properly. And you know, there were a bunch of Marys. There was at least four that we know of that followed him around. So he, he probably had a different handle for each one. Hey, Mary. 
you know, Miriam, yo, Mary. You know, he probably had a different Mary for each one of them. This was hers. And he just says it. Miriam. She turns and says, Rabboni. And King James says, which is master, Rabboni. Originally, at this time, there was added, it's not just rabbi. It's more personal. It is my teacher. My master. The only other time it's in the New Testament was when blind Bartimaeus is communicating with Jesus. He's been taken out of the crowd, and the Lord says, what do you want? He says, Rabboni. No sight. Rabboni, my teacher, that I might see. She says, Rabboni. Listen. On the other side, this is the other side of the resurrection. Something we see here is the voice of those that are on the other side will still be familiar to us. Friends, relatives, parents, spouses. The tone, the characteristic of a voice will still be there. Think of those whom you love. You know, it'll be recognized right away. He just says to her, Miriam, that tone, that voice, the inflection, familiar enough just to wake her up. And I think. of those on the other side. That I'll see. That I'll hear from. Voices that you're going to remember from childhood. I know and you know, young in my life, there were people who said things to me about Jesus. going to hear their voices and we're going to remember who they are. All she has to do is hear it and she knows. We're going to enjoy the same familiarity, no doubt, the same tones. You know, I think of my mom every day when I was in high school. Joe, get up! You know. <laughs> then when I worked at the Navy Yard, she did the same thing every morning with her voice. Joe, get up! You know. And I'm not going to have to recognize that tone anymore because it will be redeemed. I'll see my mom, Joe. Completely familiar. He says to her, Mary. And she turned herself and says to him, Rabboni, which is to say, my master.
Now, something happens that we don't have the details of, but it's obvious here because Jesus says to her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my Father, but go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my Father and to your Father, to my God and to your God. So he turns to her and says, Touch me not. Now, it is in, it's a negative form of a present imperative. And the idea is he's forbidding an action that has already begun and is literally don't cling to me. She must have dove on him. We don't get the picture. She's got hold of him, you know, because the other women, it says, the other ones, he comes to them and says, all hell. And they recognize the voice. And it says they embrace him. Uh, he's going to say to Thomas in the next chapter, touch me. Put your hand, see, you know, put your, your finger into the nail prints, you know. But here he says, it, it's kind of misleading when it says, touch me not. He basically says, let go of me. She dives on him. She's got hold of him. He has a physical risen frame. He's holding her. And he says, he says, Mary, let go. I haven't yet ascended. This is not over. I didn't just come back from the grave to live on earth. Let go of me. Stop clinging to me. I haven't yet ascended to my father, but go tell my brethren. He had talked to them about being servants. In chapter 15, he said, I no longer call you my servants, but my friends, because the master doesn't let the servants know what's going on. But I've told you all things. And now for the first time here, the price has been paid. Go tell my brothers, my sisters, that I ascend, as the present tense said, I am ascending to my father and their father. I ascend to my father and your father. Say that to the apostles. Now, there, there's a different, you know, quality there. My father, something was eternal. He had come forth from the father. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. But now he's saying, tell my brethren, I'm going to my father and their father, their father. The spirit of Christ is in our hearts crying, Abba, father. We are joint heirs with Christ. Go say to my brethren, imagine when she comes in and says that. I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God, as he's there in his incarnation, and your God. And Mary Magdalene then went, it says, and she speaks to them. She comes into a room where they are. They're afraid. They're huddled together. Um, and she comes and she speaks to them. And she's the herald of the age of grace. This woman is the herald of the gospel of Jesus Christ, of world missions and evangelism, of, of the, the life of the church, of, of us sitting here today. She's the first herald of that. 
She's the first one who she turned and stood him and he spoke with her and the mystery of the ages stood before her. This woman, Mary Magdalene. And she came and it says that she told as a present tense, she was announcing to them. She didn't just say it one time. She's telling the disciples that she had seen beautifully here is a perfect tense, which means she had seen and she's still seeing. He had appeared to her and she can't get it out of her mind. She goes to the apostles and she said, I have seen and I am still seeing the Lord. And these are the things that he said unto me. And Mary Magdalene passes off the scene. I believe we do see her again, in my opinion, in Acts chapter 1. It says, and when they were come in, they went into an upper room where abode Peter and James, John and Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon Zelotes, and Judas, the brother of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplications with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. I believe Mary Magdalene is there in that upper room on Pentecost and is filled with the Holy Spirit. The girl who had been possessed by seven demons ends up filled with the sevenfold spirit of God, his daughter. I would say if there are things, one thing, that we can never forget, it's him. You know, I can't live on coming here and preaching on Sunday. I can't live by putting hours at church. I can't live by visiting somebody in the hospital. I, I, I do all those things. I serve you because I serve him. I, I can't do all this stuff and go home and not know him and not sit with him and not be growing in his grace and not know him more this month than I knew him last month. I can't do that. And he has to be the one that I never forget. Now, I'm human. I get temor temporary amnesia once in a while. I can get pushed into a circumstance where I'm not acting like I'm remembering him. But I can't forget him. I can't forget him. Don't be a Christian who can only remember the wrongs and the flaws in other Christians. <laughs> that means you don't remember your own. You don't remember the measure of grace that's been extended to you. And most of all, you don't remember the one who's done that for you. Sit with him. Sit with him. She falls down, takes hold of his feet. What will be our behavior the first time we lay eyes on him? What will we do? There's going to be multitudes who know Revelation 5, 
multitudes, nations, kindreds, and tongues, they're there worshiping the lamb with the marks of slaughter upon him. Seven horns, seven eyes, all-powerful, all-knowing lamb with the marks of slaughter. But what will it be like? We have eternity. What will it be like the first time you meet him face to face alone? Alone. Will his voice be familiar? Because you've heard it so many times here. Will you fall on his feet? Will he have to say, don't cling to me? Will you fall to your knees? Will you say, Rabboni, my teacher, my savior, my Lord? What will be our response the first time we see him alone? And we'll have that opportunity. And he wipes the tears from our eyes. Why weepest thou? And I think we have this great hope, familiar faces, familiar voices, reality on the other side of this. Look, we watch the news. I can get so tied up in what's going on around me in this world that I can, my compass, internal compass, I can lose my bearings and forget, oh yeah, this, this is my destiny. The place I'm going, you can't blow it up, you can't nuke it, you can't mess with it, you can't pervert it, you can't defile it. It's there and it's waiting. And there are familiar voices there. One nanosecond on the other side, everything's fixed. One nanosecond on the other side, no cancer, no bitterness, no torment. No weakness. No divorce. No prodigals. No gossip. No wounds. The wounds will be his. One second. And you can tell Mary Magdalene, Pastor Joe said we could sit down and talk with him. You'll get to know her. You've got all the time in the world and of the other world as well. I think he rises off the page here again. We have a picture of this woman, but to me the greater picture is look at him, watch him. Why this woman first? Above all others, you know, he could have gone anywhere. Just this one single broken heart. The first thing he goes after when he's risen, because he will go after untold, innumerable, broken hearts through the centuries that will be gathered around his throne. And that's why we sit here today. He's the same. He's the same. And as Christians, as if our hearts are broken, he's not less attentive. He's then more attentive. Go tell my brethren. Go tell my sisters. But I'm ascending to my father and their father. Family. Go tell my family. No one's less attentive of their family. The same today. Amen.
Let's stand. Let's pray. Lord, I know you've overheard. Lord, your word says so much, Lord. And forgive us in our imperfection, Lord, of not embracing the fullness of it, Lord. We never want to look at this and misrepresent you in any way, Lord. But your love never fails, never gives up. Lord Jesus. And Lord, all of us together, we lift to you the most broken person in this room, Lord. You see those standing among us, Lord, and the tears are not rolling down their face, but they're dammed up in their hearts, Lord. And they can hardly hold it back, Lord. Jesus, and you seek out the broken. You said on earth you came to bind up the brokenhearted, and you've not changed. Move among us today, Lord. Touch those that may be listening on radio, Lord, or on media, at all the services today, the children back in Sunday school. Lord, those serving the security people outside that might have a broken heart, Lord. We know you don't hand this out to us to frustrate us, but to give us hope. To give us divine medicine and healing. So, Lord Jesus, we love you, Lord. And our hearts say, come quickly. And we pray in your name. Amen.